0: As I was reading Eliza Van Cort's book, she's my guest today, by the way, called A Woman's Guide to Claiming Space, everything including the relationship that she talked about, which was where she shrank and didn't stand up for herself and was really abandoning herself for this relationship, resonated with me just like the rest of the book. I'm so grateful that I reached out to her to come onto the podcast because we really bring claiming space into this aspect of life. You're listening to The Boundless Heart, the podcast empowering women into shameless self-respect, independence, and equal partnership. We are here to make this world balanced Some of our relationships, I'm sure you've noticed, are not balanced. In some relationships, it's really easy to claim space. Others, it's very hard. We're here to learn, to stand tall, raise your voice, be heard. That happens to be the subtitle of Eliza's book. It is my hope that every woman learns the tools she teaches in her book and on this episode, of the boundless heart. Eliza, I was reading your book and I resonated so much with so much of it and then you talked about your relationship <laughs> and I was like this woman knows how to claim space and she does what I do with that. Oh, I got to talk to her. <laughs> Why does this happen? <laughs> That's my question. You know, it's
1: funny. We're going to call him Chad. I renamed him. You know, at the time, it was just misery. When we broke up, it was misery. But the book wouldn't be the same without him because I'd never had someone like that who was a man in my life. I'd had figures in my life who were anti mentors, but I'd never had a relationship that was so devastating. And I feel like it made the book better. So my friends and I always say, you know, I owe Chad a debt of gratitude for for his contribution. But why do we do it? I mean, I think think that it's very hard to undo the training that we have had when we are younger. And if we are trained that we deserve 40% love, and there's a comedian who talks about this a bit. You know, and you comes along and someone comes along and gives you 45. You think you're wonderful. You think everything's great. It's still an F. And so learning that you deserve a 90 is a
0: process. Truth. Yes. You mentioned anti-mentor in there. And Mm -hmm. let's start right off with describing that, defining that so that our (laughs) listeners know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. So an
1: anti-mentor is somebody who, for all intents and purposes, should be one of the cheerleaders in your community. They're somebody who's usually close to you, whether they're a coach or a teacher who is really involved in your life or a parent, an aunt. And for whatever reason, they are not your biggest cheerleaders. They are the people who make you feel small and diminished. And they do it in such a way with something called intermittent reinforcement that makes you coming back again and again and again in that hope that this time it's gonna be different. And of course it isn't.
0: I feel that played out in my previous relationship. Yeah. (laughs) That pattern of this time he'll get it or this time he'll understand or this time- Yeah. He'll see, oh yeah, wow. Because we we kind of assume that
1: other people are gonna be rational actors. You know, we assume that, you know, people are going to treat us the way we wish to be treated. And so when people don't do that, we think, well, if someone were to use logic on me eventually, I would get it. So we use the same tactics with them that we would use with ourselves, not realizing that it's not going to work with this particular person. And some people, it just will never work.
0: That's a really good point. And the whole logic thing, some people really just don't operate from logic. Right, right. The ones who say they do are typically the ones who don't. Right, exactly. And, and it's sort of a
1: logic meets empathy. You know, you, you think, okay, so logically, if this and this and this, then this kind of empathy will happen. They'll understand. And some people just cannot get it. And I don't know if it's childhood trauma meets excessive privilege. I'm not sure what it is, but it, it is difficult for some people to get it. And so, you know, in my mind, the way I've sort of gotten through it is to say, this person is never going to have a full and rich relationship. And I would have been stuck with that. So even though I still, of course, backslide in my brain sometimes and think, oh, I really missed. I re- you know, it's so clear to me that it was a gift. It was a gift.
0: Mine too, really. I wouldn't trade it in. Right. Some <laughs> Sometimes, <laughs> I think did I need to stay that long? And then I also think, well, I did. So yeah, I guess I did need to stay that long. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I
1: tell the story in the book, which you may remember that I was dating a guy who was 20 years younger than me. Love him. Dear friend of mine. We were just talking on the phone yesterday and it was very serious, but he was 20 years younger than me. And so I said to my friend, Kim, you know, Kim, am I wasting my time? I mean, I'm never going to marry this guy. Like, what What am I doing? And Kim being, Kim, is said, you know, that's if you believe in the concept of time. And I still remember saying, Kim, even for you, that's crazy. I <laughs> that just doesn't make any sense. And she said, no, you know, you're going to either you stay with him and then it wasn't a waste of your time or you don't stay with him and you learn what you needed to learn to go on to the next person. So. There's no such thing as wasted time unless you don't learn from your experience. That's what all life really is. And I thought, oh, that's true. And it's very liberating when you start to think of things that
0: way. It really is. Let's talk about crazy because you said that word. Women tend to beat ourselves to a pulp, figuratively. Mm-hmm. And some of the way society has very much helped that is using language. Oh, yeah. You mentioned three words in your book, and let's go over what those three words are and how they affect women. Right. Crazy, feminist, and bitch.
1: Crazy, feminist, bitch. These words are words that are historically used to silence women. And I have very strong feelings about each one of the words, but it's it's very interesting. So if you advocate for the rights of women, then you're a feminist. But feminist doesn't just mean, you know advocating for women and intersectionality. When it's used as an insult, it means, you know, you are man-hater. God forbid you're a lesbian, because that's a terrible fate to have. You know, not. But, you know, you are all of these things that we're going to say you are so that we can actually say you're so radical that your message means nothing. So that's the first one. Crazy is you're angry. You know, women are allowed to show anger. They really should. And the example I always use is you know, if there's a movie and this guy has lost the love of his life and he like hits the wall and then falls over and cries, everyone's like, "Oh my god, he loved her so much." But then, if you imagine a movie where a woman like a guy leaves her and she punches the wall and falls to the floor, people would be like, "That woman's crazy." You know, like it would be a completely different reception. And anytime women show the slightest bit of anger, they're they're crazy. Now there are race specific things, and I think it's important to mention. So, you know, Latinx women are often fiery, Asian women are, they often do crazy Asian, that's one of them, black women, the angry black woman. So there are ways to kind of layer onto that even more charged uh, coding. So that's the next one. And then bitch, which is basically a woman with an opinion. If you are a woman with an opinion, then you apparently get called a bitch. And it's amazing to me when I'm often prepped by a man and I'm going into a department, they'll be like, oh yeah, she's kind of a bitch. And I will meet the woman, and I'll be like, no, she's exactly like you. She has opinions and says them out loud. And that makes you feel she's a bitch. So whenever I hear a man call a woman a bitch, I immediately get very suspected. I'm not saying that women can't be jerks. Women can be complete jerks, and so can men, and so can any one of any non-binary people. Everybody can be a jerk.
0: But when that specific word is used
1: then all bets are off for me until I have a lot of firsthand experience with a person.
0: Definitely. And I also love how you mention in your book that, say, I was going to call a woman a bitch. I'm basically, well, I'm not basically, I am participating in my own oppression. Mm-hmm. I do not like that word. I never did like that word. And I don't like using it. Yeah. <laughs> but I use crazy all the time. Yeah. Not in a demeaning way, but now having read that book, I'm thinking I could use a different word.
1: Right. And I think there are two ways to kind of go about it. I think if it's used as an insult, then it's never really a good thing to do ever. If it is used in solidarity, that is different. So if I, I mean, I have many girlfriends who I will call and I'll be like, hey, bitch, what's up? You know, (laughs) I mean, we call each other bitches. But if I were sitting around with my girlfriends and we're all talking and one of our male friends came over and said, what's up, bitches? We'd say like, no, no, (laughs) not your actual word to use. Just as I can never use the N-word ever under any circumstances, you know, men should not be calling women bitches under any circumstances. That is not their word to use. They lost it when they used it as an insult one too many times.
0: Yes, they did. Pussy, too. That's another word. Yeah, I I think that's always really funny. I'm like, we birth children out of
1: that. You know, like literally out of our bodies, a child emerges. (laughs) That is one of men's private parts. Or like you, you tap them too hard and they fall to the ground in pain, not able to function. And yet we are pushing babies out of our bodies and somehow that's a weak thing. Like I find that to be, I think it's actually hilarious how you can do such gaslighting that you can turn something completely on its head like that. (laughs) <laughs> it just makes no sense. I'm like, if anything should be like, people say, "Oh, you have balls." I'm like, balls are the most delicate thing you will ever encounter. They are like the wimpiest, most needing to be protected thing in the world. We you know, they get cold and they have to escape. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like, 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 why are, do we have these weird words that make no sense? I don't know. I'm I'm a lover of words, and I, that's when I will. I mean, I do understand why it happened, but. I still find it to be hilarious because it's just the opposite.
0: It is just the opposite. And men are so proud of their balls. I know. <laughs> and it's time women become proud of our pussies. Right. That's what I think.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I I, I think, like, I, I'll joke with my girlfriends. I'm like, you should, you know, grow, you like, grab yourself by the ovaries and do the thing. Like, you know, <laughs> like, just do the thing. <laughs> I'm not going to say grab yourself by the balls.
0: <laughs> what does it look like? When women are shrinking, when women are, we get these patterns, right? We are in these patterns, we're shrinking, we're not speaking our truth, we don't even realize it. So, how could somebody recognize this within herself? I
1: think that it comes from, you know, we all have a compass, and I talk about that in my book. And some people have their compass turned sideways. A lot of us have it turned at least a little sideways. And we learn not to trust it. So I find when I start saying words like "Does that make sense?" "Am I crazy?" "Are you sure that makes sense?" "I'm not. I'm not losing my mind. Am I?" Those are like, ding, 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 ding. Okay, right now I'm not listening to something. I'm not listening to my inner wisdom. Uh, you know, I was working with a man, very nice man, I might add, who brought me into an organization, and I've known him for a long time. And he said, oh, I hope we can connect. And I said, oh, I always make a point of trying to go out with the organizers after the event. So I would love to connect with you afterwards. And then the guy got back to me and said, I'm so excited you asked me out. And I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) what? And so I screenshotted the two, this this happened more than once. I screenshotted the two pictures and sent them to my friend. And I said, am I crazy? Like, you know, I said, I always make a point of going out with the organizers. You know, am I and I realized as soon as I started saying it, I thought, no, of course I'm not crazy. I just literally am not listening to myself.
0: That's bonkers. And that man didn't understand and is projecting. <laughs> yeah. Or he wanted to. He wanted, he was like, this is the date.
1: <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's two friends going out and talking business after an event. This is A date would be, hey, I'd like to ask you on a date. But I know it's a little uncomfortable because we're working together when this is over. Would you like to go on a date with me?
0: That's a date.
1: It's different.
0: Oh, you mean be direct and clear with your words? Right. (laughs) Exactly. That's a
1: concept. I know. And actually, men are very good at that in general. And in some cases, men are very good. They have been trained that it's okay to be clear, direct. And I'm not a second wave feminist. I don't think we should be taking men and trying to put the trappings of men on ourselves. But I do think that there is something very powerful about just saying the thing. And I think there are things that each gender has been trained to do that the other gender could learn from.
0: I agree with you 100%. And I think I also agree. I'm learning as I go here. I think I also am with you on not blaming men. Is that what you're saying? We're not blaming men as feminists. We're simply saying, hey, guess what? We are equal. We are, we want balance here, (laughs) Right. I mean,
1: I think about it this way. You know, if you're thinking about white supremacy, it is the fault of white people. That is a fact. You can't have racism without white people being racist. It just doesn't exist. But does that mean that white people are going out trying to be jerks all the time? I don't think so. I think that racism is in the air and we are inhaling it and therefore we exhale it. Most people are not what I call pointy hat racists where they, they want to go out and burn crosses and do horrific things. You know, they're doing unconscious things all the time and making the lives of Black people truly miserable in, in certain circumstances. I think that with women, I don't know a lot of men who are like, hey, you know, I've been going on dates lately, so I've been thinking about this stuff a lot. And I don't know a lot of men who say, you know, I, I personally think you should just get barefoot, and go in the kitchen and make babies and get me a sandwich. Like, you know, like I don't I don't hear men saying that. And I don't think they want to come off as that. I think they they really truly don't. But I think they breathe in sexism and so they exhale sexism. I think that all of us can kind of benefit from just learning how to call it out in a way where we're not shaming people, but we're just presenting facts. These things are happening, and I would like you to change the impact. And I think For me, all of the isms, the focus needs to be in many ways impact and believing the impact. So if my friend of color says to me, I think what you just did, like trying to touch my hair, that wasn't cool. My temptation is, but it's so pretty and I like it and I'd never touched back woman's hair before, right? It doesn't matter what I feel. My feelings are deeply irrelevant in that situation. I simply need to say, oh, I apologize. I won't ever, ever ask to touch your hair again. Thank you for telling me because I believe the impact on her is negative. So I think where we come into problems and where women get pissed is when women say, hey, I've noticed that you've been interrupting me multiple times in the meeting. And instead of the man saying, oh, gosh, I didn't notice that. I'll watch that in the future. Thank you. They say, no, I didn't. And that's when we start to get mad. And that's where I think this tension starts to emerge. If we were believed, we'd be cool. If people tried to make an effort, but it's the denial of it. And the defensiveness and then the victim situating flipping it back on us that I think causes the frustration.
0: Oh, my gosh. The microcosm of that in that relationship I mentioned earlier, probably I, I'm not I don't want to make assumptions about yours, but it seemed sort of similar <laughs> to mine. I was like, oh, she's like me. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I almost didn't put that story in because I thought, do I want to be that person? personal about something that was semi-recent. And then I thought, you know, I think it's important to show that even women who really are pretty much in their power can fall into this stuff. So there's no shame around it. In fact, there's one thing that we cut out of the book that I really, really regret. There was a section where I talk about feel, think, act. And I set up that story where I talk about Chad and I, he had dropped milk on the counter and looked really angry. And then he stopped, took a breath, and looked at me. And I said, what did you just do? And he said, well, you gave me this milk. The carton was half open. I didn't realize it was. I spilled the milk, and I was really mad at you. And then I realized that's stupid and ridiculous, and it does nothing. So I just kind of calmed myself down, kept going. And I said, oh, my God, that's what we all need to do. think, You thought, then you felt, then you acted. And he went and got a napkin and wrote, think, feel, act. And I had it in the book. And my editor said it's not relevant to the story. But now in hindsight, I think it's so important to say that we don't stay with people who are toxic for us because it's always bad. We stay for those moments where it's beautiful. And we live for those moments. And so we just keep pushing away all the crap in search of that again. And I wish I'd left it in for that reason, because if we think of the, you know, a a crappy partner is a boogeyman, we actually then won't see when the actual boogeyman happens, who is never mean all the time.
0: That is so validating for so many. Yeah. Because that is exactly what happens. We get that opportunity to see the potential of that person actually come out that we perceive, of course, Mm -hmm. it's our projection. It comes out and we think, oh, and how good does that feel? And then we're back to the stress. Yeah. And then when's that light coming back? And then it does. And then it's, it's that cycle. It's like an addiction. Yeah. I mean, it's intermittent
1: reinforcement. It, it is an addiction. It is exactly why the house always wins in gambling. Because <laughs> every once in a while, you get a payday. And you just keep pulling that lever, hoping, that, and they—they they know it. They—it's—they they have psychologists set up those little slot machines so that you will sit there all day and lose all your money, in the hopes that you just get that one time where you pull it, and then every once in a while you get it. Doesn't quite, you know, pay off everything else, or even close. But boy, does it feel good. And when they studied rat who have been exposed to intermittent reinforcement, the rat, even if it has a consistent little lever next to it. It will sit there and pull the one that they get a payday for and starve to death rather than leave that one lever, even though they know the other lever will consistently bring them food. I mean, intermittent reinforcement is one of the most powerful things. And now if I see somebody who sometimes they make me feel great and sometimes I feel terrible, (laughs) I don't hang out there very long.
0: That's the best advice. (laughs) seriously oh my god so if you're in a relationship where you're getting intermittent inter how do you say it (laughs) it's intermittent intermittent.
1: so intermittent reinforcement reinforcement so you know it's intermittent you don't get it all the time it's not consistent it's not it's inconsistent basically Inter. it's inconsistent reinforcement and there's no pattern to it it's just whenever the hell it happens so which means that it's not dependent on you which is why you keep trying to figure out what can I do to get that moment back? So you get more and more invested in being nice and perfect because maybe you didn't notice what made you get the moment back and really it had nothing to do with you. And, and so that no matter what you do, it's not going to come back because of you. It's all about them. And so you have no control over it, but you try and you try and you try and then you get trapped.
0: And it's hard to break out of that trap and it's, it's unsettling. But I tell you what, after you do, you have freedom You have a lot of emotions to go through, (laughs) but you have the space to do it. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, i I will admit that after my situation, I had to listen to sleep hypnosis about, and I had a sleep hypnosis "forget your ex" while you to sleep. I have no idea if it helped me, but it sure helped me sleep better. Um, I did it on YouTube, and it was great. And I thought, wow, who knew I would be here? I never thought that I would be so crushed by another human being. But that's the thing with people who are in this category who tend to be on the dark triad. They're master manipulators, and their whole gig is to reel you in, keep you there, and diminish you so much that you don't think you deserve more.
0: Wow. And some, I would argue, might not even be conscious that they're doing it. Or maybe they are, and I'm just trying to be nice.
1: (laughs) I don't think that narcissists are fully aware. I think sociopaths are. But I don't think I think there's like a this tremendous empathy gap, so they don't think it's mean. Mm. I will change the story, so I, I, I never want to give Chad away of who his identity is. But but I'm gonna so I'm gonna change some of the facts. But the basic idea was he he told me about an ex he had who was a hardcore extrovert, and she wanted to go onto this island by herself and hike around this island in order to show that she could do this and sort of get past her need for people. And it was like a long hike. So she had to make it back around the island before she could even get off the island. She could just like get off the island. And she she had intermittent, intermittent service. And she called him one day and he broke up with her while she was on the island. And he said to me, I didn't understand it. I mean, she just kept saying to me over and over, like, why couldn't you have waited? Why couldn't you wait until I was off the island? And I said, Well, Chad, you know, you did leave someone who was highly extroverted, alone on an island with no one to process with, rarely having service while she was trying to do something that was hard for her emotionally anyway. And he went, oh, I guess I never thought of it that." So there's just this complete empathy gap. And I think that was a lot of his thing is that he wasn't trying to be mean. He simply lacked a level of empathy that other people generally have.
0: And then the ones of us who have maybe a little... More than the norm. (laughs) Well, yeah, we tend to be targeted. I
1: mean, that is, the at least the literature shows, yeah. If you have a lot of, you're very empathetic, you tend to be targeted by folks like that because you see the best in people. And so you're not going to see the crap that's happening. You're going to see what you hope will be, which you never achieve, of course.
0: So true. Say you find yourself in that kind of relationship, whether it be with a partner, a romantic partner, or friendships, or even family, or just kind of across the board, how do we start to claim space? And maybe we can define claiming space first. How do you define claiming space?
1: It took me a while to actually figure it out because it is kind of an amorphous concept. But to me, claiming space is living the life of your choosing unapologetically and bravely. And to me, bravery is not a lack of fear. See, in fact, if you're doing something scary, you're not afraid, you're just nuts. To me, bravery is fear meets action. That is what claiming space is. And then the five aspects of claiming space, are, which are the five parts of my book, are what support you to do to live your life bravely and not apologetically.
0: I have this example. A friend of mine gets a text from her landlord. I looked at my finances, and it's crazy that I'm charging what I'm charging. I need you to pay an extra $200 this month. In two days. That conversation, one thing that I would do, my old self would do this. I would say, okay, and shrink up. Wouldn't really text back, or I would just text back, okay. That is not claiming space, (laughs) because that's not even legal. No.
1: Exactly. I was going to say, that's actually illegal, I believe. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So how did your friend handle it? Very poorly and just paid. Oh. (laughs) I will say, having repeated that pattern that that person has of just shrinking and basically being a pushover, not standing up for herself, what do you do after you've fallen into that pattern and now it's like, oh, crap, I noticed that. What do I do now? I've already gotten into this situation. Right.
1: I mean... So did your friend, can you tell me what your friend said? Like, sure, I'll be happy to pay it. Do you know the details? I do know the
0: details. She said, I can pay that for this month, but I'm finding a new place to live after this month.
1: Okay, so your friend inconvenienced herself. Much, yeah. And did what he needed. Okay. So, yeah, I think in those situations, I think you, <laughs> right? <laughs> so I think, you, you know, your friend could say, I'm a little, like, I, I usually use the, like, I'm a little confused line. I'm a little confused. It's my understanding that raising my rent two days before it's due is illegal. Am I wrong on that? I, I, I do understand that things are very tight and you need to raise rent. But it's my understanding that legally I need to have more than, you know, X amount notice. I'm guessing your friend responded quickly. Very. So I think that, to me, is the biggest thing. That's where a feel, think, act comes in. So often we act and then we think and then we feel. So we act and then we think, oh, damn, I shouldn't have done that. And then we feel bad, right? (laughs) We just do it totally out of order. And so for me, I mean, I have ADHD, severe ADHD. So I am a doer in the moment, man. I just like if I want to do it, I just want to do it. And I have learned I have to physically stop myself and say, "I will not do anything now. I will not respond now. I'm not doing anything. I'm going to give myself at least five minutes before I do anything, and I'm going to think about what I'm going to do, because it's just, you know, that instinct to act, especially if you've been trained as a people pleaser, which your friend clearly has, because, yeah. <laughs> so then your instinct is I'm going to people, please, because usually in their life, if they didn't people please right away badness happened and so they have learned to people please instantly to protect themselves and now that they're adults they're repeating that pattern and it's working against them
0: feel think Mm -hmm. and then act after you've slept on it a night or two (laughs) yeah
1: yeah so it's feel which is okay what am I feeling right now and then think why am I feeling these things what do I okay and then do the action so in this case you would say oh, my feeling is I'm anxious. I'm worried this person is going to be mad if I don't respond right away. I feel like I have to respond or else I'm being mean. I I am scared of the consequences of not responding. And then I think, well, why am I feeling that way? Okay, well, I tend to people, please, because when I grew up, you know, my family kind of got on me or whatever if I wasn't constantly yesing everyone. But is what do I want to let that dictate it? And then I sometimes even circle back to like, how do I feel underneath mm. all those things? Often I feel pissed. So that's layer one. Then I swing back and I go, oh, and then I'm also angry because this is an unfair position. Why am I angry? Oh, I'm angry because this isn't even legal. Okay, so now I need to think about what I want to do. Okay, I'm going to go online. I'm going to Google the law. And then I'm going to know that I have the law on my side. And then I'm going to very carefully act, which is I'm going to comprise a text that is super even, non-reactive, but just literally calls out exactly what has to happen. So I tend to double back on my feel sometimes. It is feel, think, act, but sometimes that first layer of feelings, if you start thinking about it, you realize there's another layer to peel. And you have to revisit and start from the top again before you go to act. That's so smart. (laughs) It's really helpful. It's really helpful because so much of oppression is about creating automatized behaviors which benefit the oppressor
0: oh god yeah so if you
1: stop the automatized behavior then you are automatically a step ahead
0: wow i see the pattern so clearly in this person of oh i'll just okay without doing what you said without even Mm -hmm. thinking about it without giving the chance to think it's just i feel this okay i better do something so i don't feel that anymore Right. Thank you for that. I think that was going to be really, really helpful.
1: Oh yeah, no, I, I want to tattoo "feel, think, act" onto my um. Onto uh, yeah, my arm. I do too.
0: That <laughs> would and
1: not do it out of order ever. Like stick with the one, two, three. Not three, two, one. Not Seriously. two, three, one. One, two, three.
0: I do remember reading in your book that. You're a recovering people pleaser, and now you can't stand people pleasers.
1: It's so fun. I mean, I I can always tell when I'm really looking at my mirror when I when I get mad mm. about something. So you know, when I see someone people pleasing, I'm like, oh, I'm looking at my my shadow.
0: <laughs> you do mention yeah. too how you know if you're feeling good, or actually <laughs> how you know if you're not feeling so great is doing that. Basically, how much am I judging others? To let you know how mm-hmm. you're actually feeling about yourself. Totally. I love that.
1: Yeah. When my favorite example of this is when I decided my ex husband and I separated, and he's a wonderful person, we're still good friends. And people would come up to me on the street, and I could always tell where their relationship was at with how they responded. People who were really happy with their relationships would say, Oh, are you happy? You know, and I'd say, Well, I'm better. I mean, this is hard. And they say, Oh, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're doing what you need to do people who were in bad relationships would say no you're happy why are you doing this you're happy you're so happy and all I could think of was like someone's unhappy <laughs> someone's not feeling happy in their marriage at all and it was just so fascinating watching that it was just such a predictive thing and and a lot of the people you know ended up having trouble later and i i knew it now i can predict it
0: totally so they were saying no you're happy when you were single or when you were still with him when they found out I'd separated. Okay.
1: Because they were trying to convince themselves about how happy they were. So Got it. <laughs> so they were trying to prove how happy they were. And so if I was unhappy, then maybe other people might be unhappy, including them, and therefore they'd have to look at that. But you know, if everyone in our little nice neighborhood just stays together, then no one has to examine anything. <laughs> That's
0: true. And I gotta tell you, I did that very well. Pretended I was happy thought I was in a in a way. <laughs> I wasn't. Cause I wasn't I just wasn't being honest with myself. But isn't that what a people pleaser is? We're never honest. We're never honest.
1: That's not safe. Right. We're trying to be honest. We're trying so hard. But we're not. Yeah. I mean
0: I'm just just cracking up out here because I know so much how how much we try so hard and why don't people just get it and why can't they see it and why can't they just appreciate it? Right.
1: Meanwhile we're overcommitting, over yesing, and in the end it's just a
0: disaster. <laughs>
1: Such
0: a disaster. <laughs> it
1: went, it's not our fault everything's falling apart. We just said yes to eight hundred balls and now all these other balls are dropping and everyone's getting mad. It's not
0: our fault. We were trying to juggle eight hundred balls. You know? <laughs> Going back to the balls, huh? So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> So I wanted to, before we end, which I never want to do, but I have this really wonderful community, and I thought, wouldn't it be fun to ask in my Facebook group, when you hear claiming space, what do you think of? Do you mind if I just give some of these people a shout-out and we can kind of see what they say? Oh, yes, for sure. There's some really good ones here. Robin, this one's great. (laughs) She said, claiming space or holding space? And I said, claiming space. And she wrote... It's for self, not someone else. (laughs) I love that.
1: I love that.
0: And Robin is an Inner Circle member, too. So I'm going to give her an extra little, what do you call this, like... uh, A little shout out. little shout shout out. out. Thank you. Extra little shout out. My friend Oliveira very simply states integrity. Now, I know what she means by that because she's a good friend of mine. She means integrity to your own self, to your own Yes.
1: Yeah. I think it's integrity to yourself and to others personally, but I think that's a great way to describe it. Ooh, this is good. How do you have integrity to others? Well, I think sometimes claiming space is seating space. Okay. And I think that white women have taken up an unfair share of their space in certain situations. And we need to understand that. And we need to stop worrying quite so much about, for example, breaking the glass ceiling, which to me, I'm just sort of like, okay, How many people are really worried they're not going to be the CEO of a Forbes Fortune 500 company? You know, I mean, how many people is this like a daily problem for them? I think that putting food on your table, anti-black violence, going to sleep, worrying your child might not come home. These are things that are much more important to women. And I think we need to start thinking much more intersectionally. And that means maybe not focusing on things that give us all the things, but focusing on other people's needs for a while. I think that's important.
0: I do, too. Absolutely do. I don't like to argue. <laughs> I'm a great people pleaser. I don't like to argue. <laughs> but I do like to, when I when I know a little bit about, oh, God, I sound like such an arrogant asshole right now. That's okay. Not to me. <laughs> when Oliveira is talking about integrity, what she's saying, and again, I know this because mm-hmm. I know her very well, is in my body, if I'm feeling a yes, then I say, that then mm-hmm. I go with that if in my body I'm feeling a no then I go with that and then of course there's all these different ethics and morals that you're bringing up definitely I know her <laughs> and to her what is best for all is really best for all mm-hmm. there's a level I think of especially me when I'm being in I'm just gonna be me 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 mm-hmm. but any people pleaser I suppose get so stuck in Oh, I'm being selfish if I'm putting myself first. But again, I'm not trying to break any glass ceilings right now either. I'm just like trying to find a place to live or something. Right. And I want everybody to have that. Yeah. And I know how white I am. Yeah. (laughs) Like, so these conversations are important to me. Yeah. I don't think you
1: can have integrity to others if you don't have integrity for yourself. Because how are you possibly going to stand up for someone else if you can't stand up for yourself? So I think that's a very important Point, I could not have been the same ally I am now 10 years ago because I couldn't even take care of my own needs. I couldn't stand up for myself. So I think you put the oxygen on yourself first, but just make sure you're not stealing someone's oxygen next to you while you're trying to breathe. (laughs)
0: Love that visual. I love it. I do have two more. They're a little long, but they're so good because they're so diverse. There's just, I mean, like you said, claiming space. So it took me a while to <laughs> figure out exactly what I meant. Maggie says, stating to the universe. I know you don't believe in all this stuff, but I'm going to read I love it. it. <laughs> I'm, we're claiming open, space I'm for... <laughs> open
1: to everything. As I said, I'm very happy to always be proven wrong. It's one of my things.
0: Right. Oh, that's so great. You make a great friend. <laughs> <laughs> stating to the universe and making a commitment to yourself to take the time, energy, and attention that you would like to take. Sometimes this is a physical space, such as where you meditate, where you have an altar, do yoga, etc. Sometimes it's an energetic space for yourself, usually distancing of some kind, so that you can focus on your needs.
1: I love that. These are great. I think that is absolutely on point. I love that. And I think so much of this is about the self-reflection and just that so much of the time women have been told not to focus on their own needs it doesn't serve anyone if we're walking around with half our tank full it just doesn't we have to fill up ourselves and we need to be able to be fully ourselves before we can do anything and i think so many women are starting to realize that we need to work on that in a very deep way
0: and it is creating a very strong revolution mhm i agree lolly says sitting in your power however that looks and feels for you For me, meaning for Lolly, there's definitely an energy shift when I do that. And people in the room can sense it. Empath or not, you know my presence if I need to make it known. Yeah, I love that.
1: And I think there are different ways of setting your power. I was just talking to my girlfriend today. And I was saying, you know, she has two daughters. One is a really out there extrovert. They're both little, you know, uh, and they're, they're just so wonderful. And the other is very quiet introvert, but they are both powerful. And I said, you know, one of your daughters is, is Queen Lizzo. She's that kind of queen. And the other daughter is Queen Elizabeth. They're both queens. They walk in the room and you know they're there. They are in their power, but they're not the same. They're very different in their energetically. It, I don't think it matters how you sit in your power as long as you are sitting in the power the way that works for you.
0: I totally agree with that. And there's so many different ways. As women, I think the most important work we can do is to find out what way is your way. That's going to change the world. Yeah,
1: I could not agree more. A world full of women who have stepped into their power and are supporting each other is a transformed world.
0: Where can people read your book? Because it's awesome.
1: Come on. Thank you. Well, it's on Amazon and he, anywhere books are sold, my book is sold. I also narrate the Audible, so you can get the Audible on Amazon. Uh, if you go to my website, which is elizavancourt.com, and there's no you in court, everyone puts a U. But if you go there and you go to the page on the book and you scroll down, all the different places you can get the book are there. I really like to recommend bookshop.org, mm. and that is because bookshop.org is a nonprofit, and all of the profits of the books are distributed among independent book se- sellers. And so it's just like, get 10 books. You're doing a good deed and buy them at bookshop.org. I cannot say enough about this organization. And that is not just because when they did the top, they did, this is my, this was made my life complete, but they did the top business books. I don't know why they put me in business books of 2021. And they put me, and they said, top business books of 2021 if they were Star Wars characters. (gasps) And I am a huge nerd. And I got Princess Leia. My book got Princess Leia. So I was like, hey. (laughs) So I, you know, my life is kind of, the bookshop.org kind of made my life complete. But I really do believe in what they're doing. It's so important. So yeah, you can go there. But if you're pinched for cash, my book is now on sale at half price on Amazon. Whereas on bookshop.org, they really put stuff on sale. And that is a real concern for some people. And I get that.
0: Great. I will link both of those right down in the show notes as well to your page. That would be great. And to your page and to the bookshop.org. Yeah. And people can also
1: reach out to me. So you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, and on TikTok. My son told me I should do TikTok and I did not do it. And I started doing a series on anti-mentors and microaggressions. And I went from 100 followers to over 5,000 in three weeks So, <laughs> <Is that all? laughs> because I barely did it before. So it, it's fun. It's a nice little, you know, bite-sized kind of thing. So definitely, I love it when people listen to my podcast and then they reach out. I will say on Instagram, I'm officially horrible at getting back to people, but I will eventually get back to you. But on Facebook, I'm much better. And on LinkedIn, I'm better. And on, and on TikTok, I'm better. So um. Yeah, and thank you for having me on my, your show because I think it's absolutely wonderful and you're just fantastic.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. I did approach you on Instagram, so thank you for getting back to me on that and saying yes to being on the show. I really the, want every woman uh, to read your book I, or to hear it or to at least get the lessons from your book
1: in some way. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, that's why I wrote it. I,
0: <laughs> I do this to my guests sometimes, and I, I'm going to do it to you. If there's mm-hmm. something that's rising up that you just want to say to all the women out there, what would it be right now?
1: That's really easy, because I think it's the premise of my book, which is, believe you have the right to claim space. We're 50% of the population. But we should be claiming you know, 50% of the space. And once you believe that... All the how-tos in my book about how to do stuff, like the feel, think, act and all those things, you'll be able to do them. But the first step is to just shrug off all of those messages that said, you don't have the right to claim space. You should be small and polite and take care of everyone's needs and smile all the time. Let go of that. Believe you have the right to claim space. And then everything else is is, is going to be easy for you to move into your power because it's just skills after that.
0: Skills. And skills can be learned. Yep. Skills can be learned, but you need to believe you have the right
1: to wield those skills.
0: Sometimes it takes practice. It always takes practice. Oh, yes. And many times of falling on your face. So it's okay, (laughs) friend. You're going to find a great place to (laughs) to live. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Eliza, thank you so much. This has been a joy. Thank you. You are absolutely wonderful. If you have any fear about falling on your face, this is the time to abolish that fear. It's not that you're not going to fall on your face. It's just that it's not something to be ashamed about or fearful of because every time you fall on your face, you learn something that will bring you higher next time. It'll bring you to a different level of awareness and remembrance and consciousness where you're able to look at the same situation, maybe with different people, in a whole new light. I want to repeat something Eliza said real quick. So much of oppression is creating automatized behaviors which benefit the oppressor. Again, I, I say this all the time, but we are truly conditioned into the roles that we've played throughout our lives, and we don't have to stay within those conditions. There's nothing saying that because I have always been this way, I have to continue to be this way. And if you have the courage to change, you can come into a freedom that you've never experienced before. This is why I'm doing this podcast, because I want you to know that it is absolutely 100% okay and actually necessary for you to have the courage and gain the courage and to somehow remember that that courage is in you to change. And that is why I have the premium membership for this podcast, The Inner Circle, because changing on your own is nearly impossible. But when you can be witnessed without judgment, and when you can share with vulnerability and trust that you will be held in a space where no matter what you are going through, it is 100% okay to be you, that's when change, it's not easy, but it's so much more possible, and even at times, I don't want to say enjoyable because pain is rarely enjoyable, but you have each other. You have sisters who can really be there holding the space of love and integrity for you. And by the way, we have a private community where we continue the conversations from these podcast episodes. And then we have a monthly gathering on Zoom which is live and recorded. This coming gathering is on Sunday, the 14th of November at 10 a.m. Hawaii, which is 12 p.m. noon and 3 p.m. Eastern. We are going to talk about good girl versus bad girl. We're going to honor both within us, and it's really fun. We'll open with some pussy yoga or pelvic floor awareness, and we'll dive into the feel, think, act concept from Eliza's book and that she talked about on this podcast. Come join us in sisterhood. I really no longer even see it as our right as women to put ourselves first, but as our obligation. If we want to see this world healed, if we want to see the earth come back into balance and all of humanity come back into balance, we have to start making ourselves our own top priority. So I will see you on Sunday the 14th at 10 a.m. Hawaii time. The link to join is in the show notes. It's boundlessheartpod.com slash inner circle. It's $7 a month. And the sisterhood is absolutely incredible. I will see you there. Until next time, stand tall, raise your voice, be heard, and don't.